Just before we start, I just wanted to mention one thing quickly. Uh, Hellas & Co. and Sporting Club Hellas are independent missions. They're both run solely by myself. So if you could like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff, it would mean the world. Check out hellasandco.com. And uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, welcome back to Hellas & Homies. I'm here with Matthew Craig, uh, one of the part founders of A Dollars and part founder of Marshall Street Studios, Sri Lankan Italian boy, and also an Arsenal fan. How are you, brother? You good? Come on, you gunners. I'm well, brother. <laughs> good to see you, Falk, finally, bro. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. For those listening, uh, you were the first interstate creative to show love. So my question is, do you remember how you, I came across your page? I can't remember how, how it first happened, but I just remember seeing your content and going, it was fucking dope. Yeah, like, and just I know, like, I, I got mad love for any other creatives who do the same shit I do, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I know how much work and effort ideas, planning, logistics goes into that shit. And so, yeah, when I see anyone doing anything dope, I just like to reach out and build connections, you know what I mean? So, and seeing where, you, where you're at now, bro, like the sky's the limit, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, for, all, for those who say, I mentioned an Italian boy, Milan fan, unfortunately. Viva yeah. <laughs> um, the first, bro, the first thing that came across my page of you that mm -hmm. always caught my eye was you and a Sri Lankan kit. Mm -hmm. Sri Lankan design, first of all, goes hard as fuck. Yeah, it does, eh? And then the second part was also you and a Gunners kit. Mm -hmm. I'm also a Gunners fan. Mm -hmm. Grew up an Arsenal diehard. Mm -hmm. Then when I learned the importance, like what Fiorentina means to my family, mm -hmm. it's kind of like Fiorentina versus Arsenal. I hope it was like 6-0 now. Yeah. But <laughs> Arsenal's still like, I'm not sure if you feel the same about if Milan versus Arsenal. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, how crazy is it at the moment, eh, to see like. It's, good. it's a good feeling. We kept the lid on, but it's a good feeling finally. Again, it's been a long time. Yeah. As soon as Saliba got injured last year, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, but just this whole, to be honest, like since the documentary, yeah. like the whole, that documentary to be able to like showcase this next era, I think we needed something to break free from the post-Venga era you yeah. know, and to give Arsenal a fresh identity. And I think regardless of where our peak is, yeah, I think we've entered that era and that's just cool to be a part of because it was a long few years bro yeah it's weird to watch a eh? so like i'm i'm 23 so yeah. when i like came to consciousness of football so to speak i'm watching per Saka, lauren kachelny um deadline day signings you remember that deadline day we signed like eight mm -hmm. and the korean guy was like the last one in yeah, yeah. and he was like the sunderland reject yeah yeah, and all, yeah we yeah. just we did there was a period that <laughs> this pains me to say i gotta say there was a period that we, we didn't feel like one of the big clubs bro like yeah and that and and that was hard. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, like Sanchez and Ozil eventually yep. come. And then you're back to being a big club, but we didn't actually do much. Mm -hmm. Santa Cazola is probably the best player I've ever seen play for Arsenal, in my opinion. So you're, you're post Thierry Henry, hey? You're too young. Yeah. Oh, like I, I have one memory. This is crazy. So my Zeal used to live up the street. And I remember going on my dad's shoulders up to his house and we watched the game and Thierry Henry did something crazy. I can't remember what it was. Scored this freak goal. Mm -hmm. It would have been like four or five or less than. And um, my brother cousin Zio and dad going nuts and i remember going home that night and that's my only memory at all of like football at that age yeah but i remember and as you get older you look at the highlights and you're like wow and then you look at burkham highlights and you're like see i'm, I'm quite a, possibly I'm you might have been better see i'm a 90s boy so like i got that era yeah like i got 98 i got 02 like i got that whole run so yeah um and that was when i first fell in love with arsenal so i, I was pretty lucky to access it at a time um where yeah, those legends were around and I can sort of reflect on that now. Yeah. You're Milan, like if Milan play Arsenal, who you got? Yeah. These days I'd have to say Arsenal yeah. um, because to be honest, <laughs> the way Milan's been for the last decade, like I I don't watch as much as I used to. I would say I, uh, when I started following football as a kid, Milan I followed before I, I followed Arsenal. So I was probably yeah. more into the Italian league again in the 90s when it was a Premier League. Yeah. That shit sort of started to fall apart. Um, 
my I still got a passion and I still follow Milan, but Arsenal's taken me yeah, pretty since over the last ten years or so. So I'd, I'd have to back Arsenal. See, um, we'll get to the music and all that soon. I've got to get off. I'm, the I'm, here, to, I'm here. here to talk football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm talking to an Italian man. Did you see like eight boys got done for the betting yesterday? No, I didn't. So Zaleski from Roma yep. um, was betting on games he was in. <laughs> um, then Tonali and Zaniolo, who are now Premier League problems because mm. Zaniolo is at Villa, um, they were betting not on football, mm-hmm. but they were betting on poker illegally. So that's an issue. And um, who else was there? Fajoli yeah. was betting on football. <laughs> the, the irony, though, of like penalizing players in Serie A for doing anything corrupt when like yeah. look at the whole fucking league what's it built on you know what I mean yeah. like anyone ever heard of Bellasconi like come on bro like bro there was um there was a goal I remember against Sassuolo uh, Gatti mm-hmm. you know that Juve centre back yep. he's shit like I actually don't know how he gets fuck a game Juve, right. yeah yeah fuck Juve that's what this room's about especially being a Fiorentina fan they mm. take all my boys but um Gatti bro did this back pass and it was so Dad and I were watching the highlights on like a Sunday night. Mm. And Dad and I were like, that's got it. That's like, that's rigged. Yeah. Like he's he's standing like 45 yards out. The keeper's on the other side of the goalpost. Mm. And he like almost pings it back into his own goal. And going to Nothing Dad, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, that's got to be rigged. It's the 90th minute and it's 2 1 to Juve or something. So yeah. it came out, came in as a draw. And you're going like, and obviously Juve had already lost the title. Yeah. Like to Inter. Last was it who won it last year? No, Napoli. Napoli yeah, had gone. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, went. Yeah, ahead. I think it was like four games left. Yeah. So like, yeah, I was saying to Dad, like, you both agree that's corrupt. Came out like this week. I think yeah. there's nine players involved. Good players as well, except for Gatti, but he still plays for Juve. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, Tonali and Zaniolo got dropped, and we lost to England this morning. We might not make the Euros. It's hard to be an Italian in this room. It's hard being Italian Sri Lankan because the Korea World Cup's on at the moment, and we haven't won a game. So. <laughs> oh, did you? Who did you play yesterday? England, Australia. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh, and Australia won. Yeah. Australia, both Australia and Sri Lanka had neither had won a game yet until they played each other, and Sri Lanka choked. But Who Sri Lanka played? Uh, South Africa, Pakistan, and Australia. They lost to Pakistan. Yeah. Shit. Made Is like big rivalry. Yeah, made like three fifty though, and then Pakistan chased it down. We don't. We, this is the worst team we've fielded the Sri Lankan team in years. Just all our bowlers are out injured. So, yeah, right. So we're batting, right? We're making a decent amount of runs, but it's <laughs> not running teams. Yeah. South, South Africa made like four fifty against this or something oh, in one day. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, that's run so poorly that World Cup, eh? It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's just hard seeing the empty stadiums and stuff like that, and you just like because there's really good quality cricket being played, um, yeah. but just the access to it, like the Indian people can't get access because ticket prices and stuff. It's yeah. just yeah, it's. It's not great. It sucks, eh? Look, we'll get into the music stuff now. Uh, and sitting in front of me, if there's every chance if you're watching this, you watched one of the most famous rap battles in rap in the 2010s, not Australia, just in general, 360 Cursor. Made it overseas. Made it everywhere. UK knew about it. America knew about it. Basically, like those are the two big boys that would know about it. But that whole era was a Melbourne era. That was hosted at bars in Melbourne. I think yep, laundry bar. Yeah. I went clubbing there once. It was a fascinating yeah. place. Eh? Yeah, great spot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that whole era. So you have like Greeley and you have multiple other artists. And I searched it up and I found yourself. Yep. What was that like coming up in that era like? Cool, man. It was fun. So I'd, I'd written rap since I was a kid, you know what I mean? Like uh, I started writing poetry, when just rhymes. Like I loved reading Dr. Seuss and shit when I was a kid, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so like always rapped and then it started in, in the playground and that, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I do battles back and forth and spit freestyles and all that shit. Yeah, any kid that raps knows that knows got the same origin story. 
But then, yeah, battle rap started popping off. I think, to be honest, like, it, it was more of a street thing originally than it was in the venues as well. Like, there's a lot of alleyway battles on, like, lower tiers than the grind times and whatever that Six and um, Curse were battling on. Um, and so, yeah, just got involved at that street level. Was at a lot of the events. Like, really judged my first ever battle. Yeah. Um, I was, yeah, at a lot of those battles at Laundry Bar and stuff. And the best bit about it was just the community. Like, we didn't realise at the time, I don't think, how iconic it was, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, it was just it was iconic for the next week. And then it was like, there's a new event to talk about or new battles. And it was, it was really cool. The best part was, yeah, the community. So like after one of the events or battles or whatever, there's this car park across the road from, I think it's a gym car park across the road from laundry bar. And then everyone would just go in there and kick ciphers. And like, I've heard the best freestylers I've ever heard like back in that day, we're just doing their thing. And I was a young and coming up and it was cool just to look at those cats and just to, to watch and learn. And there were guys that weren't battling that were around the scene as well. Guys like Seth Sentry and shit like that were yeah. around it as well. So it's just really cool to come up in an era where like lyricism and, and that was the primary focus. And I guess just to soak that in and see the influence that's had 10 years down the line is fucking crazy, bro. Yeah, because that's all hip-hop is at its core. Yeah, man. Just yeah, that Strip everything community. away. Can you rhyme? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Can you can you tell a story or can you off the top of your dome? Mm. That's the, 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 art, the art form. Yeah. I, th- I think now – like the art and the business, uh, they're entwined, but they're separate as well. Yeah, 100%. So we'll get into that conversation. Yeah. But yeah, at, at, as an art form, as a, um, yeah, just the, the ability of dudes to rhyme um, off the top as well is just, it's just a really cool human thing. Anyone responds to it, whether you're part of, I guess, hip hop culture or not. It's yeah. It's a cool phenomenon. Is there any names that were in that thing? Because there's a few from the Sydney, like the Western Sydney era that mm-hmm. don't rap, um, whether it be to do like, to religion, just mm-hmm. wanted to keep their life private. Yeah, there's a few guys that I say like got lost to the wind type of thing. Mm-hmm. Was there a few guys in Melbourne that like you can remember that were heavy spitters, but just kind of didn't want to pursue hip hop? They just did it for fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I won't name any names or nothing, but there were definitely some some cats around as well that had. Um, I think I was saying this to you earlier about the whole fine line between genius and insanity type thing. Like yeah. dudes who were just incredibly talented, but maybe had issues in other areas of their life, which meant that they they couldn't focus on music or rap or, or that sort of stuff. So, yeah, there were some crazy talented cats and they're always the most charismatic cats as well. Yeah. Um, but, again, that's why, like, I give massive dice to anyone who's still around now because it's, you know, life's a roller coaster and to keep riding that 10 years later and be around is really cool. And I was having this conversation with Greeley the other week because we've got the Freestyle National Tournament going on at the moment, hosted by Battle Rap AU. And, um, yeah, it's cool to see some dudes coming back. Aero's just came back and won the Melbourne. You posted about him, eh? Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's the best freestyle I've ever seen. Yeah. So um, him and Grills are just levels ab- above of, of everyone that, that I've been around. Um, yeah, so Eros came back and just swept it in, in a heartbeat and hadn't been on, on the scene for a minute. But I, I knew the, the minute he said, he hit me back, I hit him up as soon as I was asked to host it. And I was like, bro, you got to come back. And he said, yeah, I'm in. And as soon as he said that, I'm like, it's done. I don't, you know, I don't care who else steps up about him. This, this dude's about to wipe it. And he did. Yeah, that's mad. Besides the 60 verse cursor night, mm-hmm. What are like some of the, uh, the other iconic moments that you can recall from like that era that you just remember is like, wow, that was really something. Well, one of the biggest moments is because Six and Curse was so big. Yeah. Like it was just different. Um, the hype that happened straight after that battle was just like, it was a massive wave. Yeah. And then the next battle Six took was against Awkwards from the US. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and he, and he choked. Yeah. And he uh, like, and he, he was, yeah, it wasn't his best performance, yeah. But the buzz in that room and some of the undercar battles, like, really battled manners that night. And that's one of the best Australian battles I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, um, 
both of their pen games are just elite. And it was a hilarious battle as well. So I just, I remember the energy in the room on that night in particular, because uh, I wasn't at Curse versus 60. I was at a lot of those events. So I wasn't at that particular one that night. Yeah. Um, but the, like the buzz for Six's first battle after that Six and Curse, and just the, yeah, that community in the room. I just remember that era just being crazy. And then all the events that came after it, like at the lower level. So like one outs. Um, yeah, I remember one out. Doing the street stuff. And, the, and one out had a bunch of venue battles at Laundry as well. Yeah. And was sort of like the precursor to the, the high tiers. Then we had like the Nationals tournament. I was part of all that sort of stuff. Um, just that whole era from like 2011 through to like, yeah, 2013, 14. It was just a really special time. It was an event every week. Yeah. Right. It's such a crazy thing to look back on. I was like maybe 10 to 12 when that era was going on. Just like watching them at home. And you're just like, oh, I don't know how you even like do this. Just, hey? And it was cool because, like, yeah, views were coming in from overseas and dudes are doing big numbers and, like, we'd have UK or US rappers see it from Battle Rap and reach out and stuff. And it was just, yeah, there's a really cool buzz. It was all on Facebook and YouTube at the time. It was, like, pre-Instagram type shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it, eh? Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Facebook and YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I and it was back when, so what I say there's one thing that changed hip-hop in Australia dramatically and I think Australian hip-hop would have accelerated quicker than it did. But Facebook was the place where all the rappers were. Like I first connected with like Husky and guys like that, Cash Cal or whatever on on it on Facebook, yeah? yeah. And because we'd all upload our songs on SoundCloud. And then what you could do at the time is like if you posted the SoundCloud link on Facebook, it would play in Facebook. So you could stream music, you could watch YouTube videos inside of Facebook. So it didn't branch off to another link and it didn't like minimize the amount of people who could see it. If yeah, you post traction. Yeah, it didn't yeah. do any of that. You posted 100% of the people that followed you saw that and could play it in the app. And so we were all doing crazy numbers. The battles are doing crazy numbers because people are watching it in the app. They don't have to go yeah. elsewhere. And then I can't remember what year it was. It might have been like 2014, 15. It, you know, Facebook started limiting traffic and you couldn't embed anymore. That changed, like that in part killed the scene. And I'm not saying it was the death, no, but views dropped dramatically after that. And it was literally just a tech change. Yeah. Because the momentum sort of fell off and then it, you know, battle rap to an extent has been in the wilderness in Australia for ne nearly a decade now. There's been guys doing it on a local level, um, but it, it's not the heights that it was at in that period. And I reckon the, like that tech change made a huge difference. Yeah. It's not something that's spoken about, but just sucks. It was unfortunate. Yeah. Oz Hip Hop had a quiet period there, eh? Yeah. Like mid 2010s. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, your hefts and stuff started coming. Like, Western Sydney kind of took on its own. Even life. prior to Western Sydney, like, Brisbane was doing crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it was happening everywhere. But, yeah, from that 2015-16, that um, there's a video that I think helped change it. It's a Western Sydney thing. Like, Big Skis um, doing Whip It. Is that the name of the song? I can't remember. Whatever it was. And then you've got Spacely in the video. you got Wings in the video and all those dudes that were moving at that time. That's like a 2015 drop. I remember seeing that and like um, connecting with those boys online and seeing like a you know six foot whatever South Pseudo dude rapping like that, rapping like he's from Atlanta. Yeah. I remember going, oh, it's finally here. Like yeah. like because we knew it was popping on a street level. Like So I, I was, it was rapping around that time, around 2011, 2012 in, that, in the battle scene and that. And our crew, RMF, like we were all – you know, Sri Lankan, Italian, Indian, Kenyan, like we were just- Yeah, mix. That didn't look yeah, or sound like Aussie hip hop did at that yeah. time, yeah? And we were doing it on a street level and connecting and stuff. And then to see others start doing it, and then obviously $80 came about and all that, and it sort of grew from there. I remember just going, all right, it's starting to look like we feel it looks like. Because we were all born on the internet. Like not, none of us really grew up. Like I, I respect and have, had heard Hilltop Hoods and you know, Bliss and Esso and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't what I, I grew up on, not coming from that Aussie background, you know? Yeah, 110%. Now, after all the battle raps, 
AU Dollars and Muscle Street Studios comes along, which you're part owner in mm-hmm. or partner in, I should say. Um, now, which one came first? AU Dollars. AU Dollars. Yeah. Now, AU Dollars, let's give a – for anyone listening that may not know for whatever reason, yep. give them a brief explanation of what AU Dollars is. So AU Dollars, uh, Australia's Hip Hop Connect. If, if effectively, we're a um, hip-hop media ecosystem um, based particularly around the music sort of aspect of hip-hop. Um, it started – yeah, the, it was so it was founded by my brother, Junior, who's a rapper, DJ, engineer, all that sort of stuff. He DJs for Ivan Ooze. They're actually in town tomorrow playing with Listen Esso. Yeah, um, and so he – um, was playing these Ooze blew up in like 2014 I think it was And went on a bunch of national tours Cypress Hill um, Ice Cube Fucking whoever they, they did like a 50 date tour with Seth Yeah And so Junior's DJing at all these tours And playing And just meeting everyone in every city and town That's like us That's making dope hip hop That's not getting recognised on a mainstream level Yeah It's yeah. being made by South Sudanese Or Middle Eastern cats Or South Asian cats or whatever Indigenous cats Yeah And it just isn't the blonde hair, blue eye shit that was popular in that era yeah. um, for whatever reasons, you know what I mean? And so Junior started just getting all their music off them and playing DJ sets, including their stuff in the DJ sets. Facebook live stream had been around like a week. We had a home basement studio at home and I just cracked. We had an old, it was an iPhone 4, that's how long ago this year. Yeah. Cracked screen, started live streaming on Facebook. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Like it had been around like a week. And so he's playing these DJ sets in the studio and it's just the audio off the phone. There's no fucking plug in. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and the algorithm just picked it up and shit started going crazy, yeah. Um, so we did like three of these live streams. We're getting all these comments. Like I'm talking hundreds of comments coming in just like, yo, where's this from? This is dope. People tuning in from Atlanta or Chicago going, yo, where's this? And we're like, yo, this is – and I'm typing. I'm like, yo, this is from Sydney. This is dude from yeah. Perth. This is from whatever. And people losing their shit, commenting, sharing it. And so we did three of them. We, it got to the point where it was like tens of thousands of – Likes, views, whatever. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, it was crazy. And we're like, all right, we we got to do something with this shit. Like this, we'd always had conversations about like having a platform or a blog. We didn't know really how to move. Um, but then we yeah, we're like, we need to turn this into a radio show. So um, we hit up Sin FM, a local station in Melbourne. Um, Save Sin, by the way, if anyone watching it, we need to help them with their funding. Um. And we had a show within like three weeks. They put us through the radio training. Um, I was sort of producing the show, so sort of helping. And Junior was hosting and producing. And week two of the show, Kwame drove down 10 hours from fucking Sydney to be on a guest. And That's we're nuts. filming the ciphers, you know what I mean? So like before Kwame was Kwame type shit, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and yeah, then it just grew from there. We had a radio season, the ciphers, which we would film straight after the episode in the studio. They were getting good views and whatever, and it just snowballed. And then ahead of season two, um, we were like, "All right, we're going to turn this into a blog." We started doing write-ups, put a team of, of writers together, and that, and um, and launched that in season two. And then it went from there to events to interviews, and yeah, just snowballed, man. Um, but it, it was born out of a, a desire, I guess, to showcase what we thought was underrepresented yeah. in the culture that wasn't getting mainstream attention, and the whole concept of being a connect. Like the reason we use that is we think like this whole shit, as I was saying before, exists in a, an ecosystem of community. So we had three main goals and it was to connect like subcultures. So like, you know how you got like the old hip hop when you got the spitters yeah, and you got yeah. the trappers and whatever. We wanted to create a ba- an R&B. We wanted to create a banner that everything was getting covered. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, there were publications before I was doing cool shit. Shout out Thank God. Shout out um, All Aussie Hip Hop. You know, I mean, there was a, f- a couple that were doing cool shit at the time. Um, and we just went, we're going to create this banner, connect these subcultures, connect the 
geographically, like the people in Western Sydney to the people in Northside Melbourne. Let's mm. let's build a bridge, do that, and then let's connect the streets to the industry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's get attention from media and from companies and labels and shit. And that started happening. Like we had labels announcing signings on the $80 radio show and shit. And we were hundred percent their A&R pool. Their A&Rs would just hit us up and be like, yo, who you got on the show this week? Like, Wait, for those listening, A&R, explain A&R. Artists and repertoire. So people that sign artists to record labels yeah. would unashamedly hit me and Junior up before. The, like we're hosting on a community radio show, showcasing this shit off SoundCloud, yeah? People that are, like Leroy was one of the first people we played. Like we played Leroy in 2016, yeah? When he was part of Dream's team at Duo, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they did a cover of 21 Savage. Like- Charlton's sending me DMs like with like 12 followers on SoundCloud. You know what I mean? Like, and so we're playing his shit and it's just legendary shit. And so A&Rs are then discovering this shit and going, who's up next? Like what's going on? We're just like, what allowed it to connect it to the industry and that is because Junior was an artist and and I was an artist and we'd been around the country and that is people just trusted us on an artist to artist level. We didn't come from media. We didn't, had no alternate intention. It was just like, yo, this is dope. We're going to play it. Yeah. thing. Um, and so then, and then the third step was once that we can start connecting the industry to, to the artists in the streets, let's connect the straight of the world. Yeah. And that's why I've done a lot of the international interviews as well, just building relationship there. And now we've got a you know physical space at Marshall Street Studios that artists come through, record, you know, we had little Mosey come through, um, some stuff that he was recorded at Marshall Street, made on his last album or whatever, like, and just building those relationships and just fostering the community growth, bro. Like, yeah. When did Marshall Street come about? Uh, so Marshall Street was built in 2018. Uh, I became a partner um, and linked into at the start of 2019. So Ben, aka Marshall, who founded and built uh, Marshall Street Studios, we knew each other from back in those battle rap days, like 2013 and that. He had a crew called DYE. They were signed to Obese. They would come up in the same area as us, the north side of Melbourne. And so we played some gigs together and loosely knew each other, you know, and then um, went off and did our own thing but still sort of watched each other from afar. And then as he was um, – uh, sort of opening Marshall Street, um, $80 was starting to pop and that. And then, um, you know, God bless his soul, uh, our mutual friend, JJ DeMello, my brother passed away, um, King of the North. And um, that sort of moment brought us back together, yeah? yeah? And that was the start of 2019 and and the rest is sort of history. We started, you know, brown down every day, bringing the community together and went, okay, wh- what are we doing? Like, like, you've got these strengths, I've got these strengths. Like, it's, it's better together. So similar to what what's going on here, you know what I mean? Um and uh, yeah, haven't looked back. That was the start of 2019. That's crazy. You mentioned, oh, fuck, what was it you mentioned? The Leroy story. Yeah. You, 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 dropped, you mentioned his name, which like threw yeah, me off yeah. a little bit there. Um, with AU Dollars. Yeah. Besides, like Leroy's obviously a crazy story. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would say like an anomaly to mm-hmm. the actual scene, like what he mm-hmm. went on to do. Him and Iggy just kind of like, just it happens so rarely. Yeah. But. Uh, are there any other artists that you saw maybe even before like they'd released an official record that you see now? They don't have to be international or anything, mm. but have just gone on to kill it in their own like respective ways. Oh, absolutely. Well, if you look at the landscape now, some of the artists are doing it. Like Genesis Owusu is like, you know, we, we were on multiple t- tours with Kofi. You know what I mean? Like Junior and um, Genesis had a co-headline tour in like 20. 20- 17, 18, maybe, I want to say. Um, so, yeah, we know those boys and, you know, his brother Kojo, Citizen K, who was doing dope shit back in 2014. So to see Jesse Wilson now in back-to-back arias and selling out shows yeah. and being on Kimmel or whatever else he's doing, just being a goat, you know, and that's cool. Like, that's that's bro. Um, so he's he's one. Um, more recently, I'd say someone like Panya, you know, like having – I think we started supporting her around 2018, maybe 2019, and she was like just a young cat, 
amazing R&B voice on the scene and now look at the levels of what she's doing. So it's like, it's pretty cool to have like been on a journey with a lot of artists, like just as homies and just like, as I said, it's just about artistic community. It's just like, same way I reached out to you, bro. Yeah. It's like $8, that's exactly what it's about. Like we, I see someone doing something dope. I just want to build a relationship and see how I can tell my homies how dope this is and you can tell your homies how dope what we're doing. And that's how we build culture and community, man. Like I say this all the time, like I've somehow made a living and a career of, yo, this song's dope. You should check this out. I've literally made it like off that because I was always a dude at the party that had to show new music. You know, I just yeah. had a passion for for art and culture and what's dope, and I've just fortunately built a community and got an incredible group of followers that have allowed these opportunities to happen. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, it's fucking cool, it's, bro. Yeah, it's cool that it, yeah, it was very cool of you just to like kind of reflect and explain your thought process as to like how crazy it's become off the back of just like. Look at this song. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And it's cool. And that, to be honest, like you've got to, like I practice gratitude really strongly because there's, there's a lot of moments where you can just get lost in the source and you're always so focused on the finish line that you forget to smell the roses right now. And I think to an extent earlier on in my career or whatever you want, on my hustle, I was that focused on building and growing and accelerating that I maybe wasn't fully present in some moments that I would have liked to have been looking back. Like, yeah. And so I'm always told and always reminded that you're going to have nostalgia about today one day. So like try and live it, smell it, you know, soak it in. Yeah. Um, and I think in the last, certainly since like COVID and that, um, just really appreciating these moments going, yo, this is, if I die tomorrow, I've got some pretty fucking cool shit, bro. <laughs> yeah. hundred. Um, I, um, I feel the same. So I interviewed Isaac John. Yep. I don't know how big YKTR is in Melbourne cause it's all the footy boys, but followed YKTR when they started, yep. uh, reached out to him for a job multiple times over the years, ended up doing a pod at his studio on my own merit yep. and, um, sat down with him for like two hours. It was, I was there with him for like an hour. Oh, like best part of an hour before and after mm -hmm. just yarning about like just random shit. Right. Mm. Got home, went to state of origin that night. Next day I couldn't fucking recall like much of the conversation. Mm. I just wasn't present. I was too focused yeah. on like doing the actual pod. Yep. It's like something that kind of doesn't eat at me. But I'm just like, I, I achieved something I set out for so long ago. It was one of the first names I put when I started the podcast that I wanted to interview. Yeah. It's dope. And then, yeah, it was cool to like tick the box, like so mm. to speak, but to actually like sit back and be like, I don't remember much of it. I remember going there and I remember leaving. Mm. I don't remember being in there. Whether that's due to nerves, I don't mm. know. But I, after that, I just made a note to practice being present, yeah. just enjoying things for what they are. Like I learned that off 7 He's like, because at the Out West after party, mm. uh, Adesanya was there. He's shouting yep. out 92 well. I was asked 7 yeah. about it. It's like, what do you think of that content-wise? I'm probably, fuck the content. Like you just got to be there and enjoy that for what it is. Like you're looking at one of the best fighters, if not the best fighter in the world on his yeah. day. Well, yeah, quite literally best fighter in yeah, the world on his day. Absolutely. Shouting out my brand as an independent artist. And he's like, you just got to be present. It's cool mm. to get on video. Yeah. But like just soak that in, like what you've actually achieved, you yeah. know. Uh, that's it at the end of like all the, the views and that it's it's cool. But like at the end of the day, it's just you sitting there with your memories, bro. And one day, one day I'm going to be there in a rocking chair holding a cup of tea, you know what I mean? And like just thinking back on shit that happened. Yeah. Like I want to have yeah, vividly remember those things, bro. Like the, the shit that like 12 year old would, you would be proud of you for doing now. Like always trying to reflect back and talk to him. You know what I mean? Like, bro, you're doing it. This is cool. 12 year old, you wouldn't give a fuck about the exact, you know, production quality or the view or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. You give a fuck about what you're actually doing. So yeah, that's a, it's a big wake up call um, to be able to do that. And that's one thing I, I try and tell everyone. It's just like, the, it's so cliche, but the journey is the destination. Yeah. hundred ten percent. It's cool. It's cool. And like, yeah, when you got like when you get no sleep and you're hustling hard mm. and you have maybe have to skip an event or you have to uh, you have to travel like two hours or three hours for an event 
and you and, and you might be on the way home. You're like, what the fuck am I doing? Then you reflect Bro. on it two days later and you're like, so worth it. Like, Bro, but the reality is, and this is like for anyone who's like on an independent entrepreneur hustle, like you could be, you know, a carpenter, you could be a podcaster, run a studio, whatever the fuck it is. It's like everyone wants to quit every single day. Yeah. And go the safe route. We all we all have that feeling. Like, don't get that wrong. It's it's not all sunshines and fucking rainbows and that. But like pushing through and persistence is so worth it. Yeah. Especially in Australia. I feel like it's a culture of like, just go work a safe job. Yep. Just do what you're told. Work Hello, for the bro. man. Yep. Hello. And, and also like for me, like immigrant background, it was like my options were doctor, lawyer, engineer. You know what I mean? Like I'm a qualified lawyer, bro. Yeah. Like I went to law school, oh, bro. Fuck. And did that shit. Congratulations. Thanks, bro. Yeah, I did that shit. And that made my made my ha- my family happy. You know what I mean? Made my, made my parents proud. My grandparents proud. I'm like, cool, I'll take that off. Now I'm going to go rap and get tattoos, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, that's Matt. You're literally preaching to the choir. Mm. I got a university degree in yeah. business, um, business and marketing, just to. Yeah, I don't regret it though because I think the learnings you get from university and going through and applying yourself and like project management type shit about like timeframes and delivering shit. I think yes. that shit is really valuable. Maybe more than the specific content of what you did. Yeah, but learning to get a degree, I think, is a, a skill itself. Like, yeah, hundred ten percent. It's just an expensive lesson. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah all, all my homies who like. Dropped out in high school and started trades and yeah. now like running up big money and we're just like trying to like put a podcast together. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, literally quite the same thing. Mm. Like Italian family. So it's just very much like, oh, you'll go work in business. Like you'll, mm. I don't know, maybe marketing or like go be a doctor or like there were so many avenues that I was like kind of just told to do. And um, yeah, I have a blessed life. But like it is hard to have those conversations sometimes with your family when mm. they see like, hundred views on a video and you're like, nah, I know it's going to work I experience out. that a lot with, yeah, a lot of the youngins that I work with, like um, both through the studio and like through my youth work stuff is like, um, I, I say, I think there's a generational gap. Like I think our parents' generation, because they went through different economic times and that, like it was a security and safety and providing was really important. Now we're being fortunate for anyone who's sort of like under 30 and under 40 probably now, yeah. anyone who's that, that era, you know, millennial, Gen Z, whatever the fuck it is. Um, at, we really value autonomy and we really value like um, self-actualization and shit like because those other needs have sort of been taken care of. So it's like I think the generation gap is just priorities and I think we struggle to communicate that either ways that like me like pursuing my dream is more important than owning a quarter acre block in the suburbs. Like to me, that's that's more important to nah, me. But I, to other to – Preaching to the choir. Explain that yeah. to the older generation is like that doesn't make any logical sense. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just trying to navigate that gap is tough. Like, um, and yeah, I have this conversation all the time with youngers at the studio. I'm like, yeah. just persist. Like you'll make your parents proud. Trust me. It's all good, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've legit had that conversation with like family members. Yeah. Like I could not give a fuck about buying a house. Yeah. Like I just want to work for myself doing what I love. Yeah. I go like, I always say to them like, I think we tend to forget we're on a floating rock. You know what I mean? Like we're going hurtling millions of miles through yeah, space yeah, 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 a yeah. second. Yeah, I think about it all the time, bro. Yeah, like I, I up in the mountains, there's no light pollution, right? So every time, it, like tonight, bro. I'll drive home. It's all stars, right? Gorgeous up here, bro. I, I look at the stars and I cry sometimes when I come out here, bro, because <laughs> the shoes got. I get really fucking high. That explains it, but it's just gorgeous. Yeah, because about back home, bro, it's just light pollution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but even when you go further out west, we go camping out there sometimes. It's like it's like it illuminates the actual ground as well. There's mm. so much light in the sky from the stars and all that. But, um, yeah, like I often think we forget we're on a floating rock and we're going to die one day. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. But that's so cliche. And the, no, but it's facts, bro. Yeah, yeah. But it's also very much just like, um, yeah, was it like why would I just want to work this stable job? And like capitalism and media has done a great job of trying to like 
brainwashing people into thinking their job is the most important part about their life. We're going deep now, bro. I like but no, this. Yeah, I you, like this. But <laughs> you and I are trying to do the same thing, essentially. Yeah. Do something different. That's yeah. all it comes down to. Do something we love, do something different. That's mm. all it is, right? And bring power to the creative, mm-hmm. for lack of a better terms. But, yeah, it's just kind of, I don't know, it's hard to put into words, but often people forget, like, the fragility of life as well. It's like you can go work. Like, I know with the skills I've learned and the way I operate, I can go into marketing and I'll be on 150K within two years. But I don't want to do that because that won't like- Preach. And like if I, died, if I did that for like two or three years, and you're the same, right? In music, you could go do whatever you want to do. Mm. You most probably end up making more than 100, 200K a year. But it's like if I die the next day after a few de- years doing that, I will look back and just be like, what the fuck was I doing it for? Yeah. <laughs> like I might have had a few nice dinners, might have bought a car, whatever, but like no. I might have bought a house. No. I don't know. It's hard to – maybe my perspective will change in due time if I have a family. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, don't probably. have a family. But I don't know. I feel like a lot of people forget we're on a floating rock. I often emphasize that to my mates as well when they're like, should I do this? I go, what do you mean should you do that? Just fucking do, do it. Do everything, like, yeah. Like, For me, success is like if I can um, – I only feel like I've become successful in the last year. Yeah, and I'm not at the level of success I want, but I now live and pay my bills off my passion, yeah? yeah. And I 100% control myself, my destiny. My agenda is driven by what the fuck I want to do each day, yeah. yeah? And what my vision is and trying to achieve that. That to me is like, that's success, bro. Like I don't I don't answer to some boss and have to be in the office at a certain time, yeah? And yeah, that means that I work crazy hours for less money and all that sort of stuff, but I wouldn't trade the autonomy and the, the purpose-driven sort of uh, journey that I'm on for nothing, bro. Yeah, 110%. Perfectly worded. Now, to go back to the AE dollars thing quickly. Yes, sir. The ciphers. Yeah. I went back and watched them, mm. and I'm looking at the thumbnails, and I'm going, like, I've definitely watched these before, mm. but they're like almost a decade, right? Yeah. So the brain's struggling to mm. pick up. Went back and watched one, and I'm watching it, and there's this guy in like a yellow shirt, and he's got this fucking weird haircut, and then he hops on. I, I hadn't taken note of the mm. title, and he starts spitting. And I go, oh, that's Cold Shotter. Charlie from Cold Shotter, yeah. Yeah, and I remember I remember going back in the day, I used to, I still, they're obviously um, their own person. Yeah, yeah. So individualistic. Like they're, cra- mm. they're crazy. They're the funniest guys around as well. But I remember back in the day being like, that is so different. Didn't expect that. Mm. I went back and watched it. I forgot how good he was. Yeah. Was, that's my favorite. Like, yeah. No disrespect to anyone else. That was just. And there's one part where he starts like mumbling mm. and then to get himself back on track, yeah. I thought that- and, he, and he hypes himself. <laughs> I remember that one, bro. Yeah. There was like five or six rappers in the studio. It was all yeah. back then. Yeah, that was a big it was, That was my favorite cypher altogether, but Cold yeah. Shotter's part in that one was my overall favorite part. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's like standing there and he starts mumbling to like get himself back on track. I thought you're fucking real. Like you mm. didn't want to restart the whole thing. You didn't want to reload. You just kept going and you just bounce, bounce, bounce. And all of a sudden you're back on your flow and he comes again. But there, there was the ciphers. And then you started uploading festival clips, mm-hmm. which is different. After like three or four, the Lil Wayne one goes up. That gets you like 50K on YouTube, yeah, which yeah. is pretty cool. Um, then it kind of came back to Cyphers, but it was under a different name. What was that one called? The Vault Cyphers? Yeah. Yeah, it's so so. a series that we, we called it the Vault. Yeah. Um, and then after that, interviews slowly yeah. started coming through. Now, this is just a few names I put down. You had one with Chef G, yeah. but that was over the phone. So that was like- how, yeah, did, how, how does something like that come about? Um, so during COVID, yeah, a lot of the interviews started. Well, probably 2019, we started doing international interviews. The content before that was pretty much uh, Australian focused. But then, as I said, we were sort of going through those stages of connecting. So the next stage came to connect with the world. And so it was like we started getting a few yeah, uh, offers to go to festivals, shoot content. Um, yeah, Lil Wayne, Iggy, stuff like that, uh, which was cool. 
Um, but then, yeah, when COVID hit, it was like, all right, we need to – the studio's shut. We've got no clients at the studio. We can't do shit yeah. there. We can't put on events. Like our revenue in all departments dropped like 95% overnight, like everyone, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's like what we need to do is figure out how we use this period, however long it is for. We had no fucking idea. It was two weeks at the start, you know. We don't know. Um, we need to use this period to change something or to build. And so we doubled down on just digital growth. And like we grew like 40% during COVID or something. Like it went, it went crazy, yeah? yeah. Um, because, and I just pumped out a ridiculous, and a lot of those videos, like I pumped out like a hundred interviews, bro, in the space of two years or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, because I was just like going hard. I was just like, I wanted to build these relationships, build these connections. Um, but how they come about was, to be honest, like at the start was us reaching out. And it was us, like whereas there was labels, management, just doing the whole Google search, you know, and finding an email and putting a, a one page together about who we are and what we've done and what we've achieved. And um, and then you just, this whole game's like a, a game of dominoes. It's, it's a flip. So you get one good one and then you use that as leverage for the next one and the next one. And then within like 12 months, to be honest, but probably sooner than that, within like six months, it changed and everyone was reaching out for us. Yeah. So like a lot of the interviews that we get now, phew, 90% of them are like requests coming in um, and it's just about capacity and, and taste and, you know, and resources and shit like that. Um, we've actually slowed down a bit on the, on the interviews. Well, I have, cause I'm just doing a lot of other shit at the moment as well. Um, but I'm lucky to now have a team of like an editorial team that, that write and that, that do interviews that go, you know, I was literally just linking up someone to be the Earl Sweatshirt show tonight in Melbourne. Like, um, and so I get to take more of a role, just overseeing things. Um, yeah. Still doing bits of content, you know. I mean, I do the radio spot every week. I, I curate the playlists and stuff like that. Um, but being able to just take a management sort of role over it is, is really cool, and let it be its own thing as well. Because I'm in my 30s now, bro. Like, so like my editorial team is all early 20s. Yeah. Because like Ben Madden, Ben Madden, uh, he guest contributes for it sometimes. Yeah. Um, but Frank Tremaine is our editor. Matt Slocum, one of our lead writers. Talia Legalia. Um, yeah, we've got a really good team and a heap of sort of casual contributors, but. Um, yeah, I was just like as well. Because to be honest, man, like, yeah, as I said, I'm in my early 30s now. I've got a certain taste that I like. And so, like, I want to make sure that I'm not, like, narrowing the focus too much and that other stuff gets in. Yeah. Um, but we're 100%, yeah, independent owned. We don't answer to nobody. Like, it's all a um, based on taste, man. Like, the same way I started in the start, we were just interviewing our homies that we thought had made dope music and we haven't really switched up on that. Yeah. Chef. Yeah. Murder. Gets were the three I noted. Gets is one of the best conversations I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. Yeah. Gets his real one. Yeah, what was the one called? Was it called Black Rose? Where his daughter's addressing him and he's like. I can't remember what I'm talking about. It's like this address to his daughter about mm-hmm. like uh, like racism. Yep. Because she's asking why there's no black doll in the shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bro, but like spitting wise, I remember he, um, bro, so I was, I was young. I was 14, 15 when mm. I started to come across grime. Yeah. He came up on this fucking thing that Stormzy was on. It's called Ain't On Nothing. Mm-hmm. That, um, do you remember those songs? Yep. Youngin maybe was the. Youngin, yeah, bro. Oh, yeah, I used to love God, he young. dropped off a cliff. Man. Bro, oh, he was so fire though. Yeah. He had a good era and then Chip killed him. Chip, yeah, m- murdered. Yeah, he killed a few people. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Lucky yeah. Skep avoided Chip. Yeah, because I, I was living in London in, yeah, in 2012. Yeah. So, so I was around that era like, yeah, Gets, like even guys like Professor Green and shit were coming up at that time. Tiny Temper had just started popping off like globally. And I remember, yeah, living in the UK and watching this explode and going, fuck, UK hip hop's about to run shit. I know what needs to happen in Australia in the next 10 years, essentially. Yeah. So I was hanging around like, don't flop battles, rinse FM and shit like that. And I was like, cool. I know what we need to do back home. Like, yeah. Yeah, fuck. It's cool, man. How was that era being over there? 
It's cool, man. London changed my life living over there for years. So I went over there and I studied for a bit and then I just worked and traveled, um, played some cricket over there. Yeah, man. Um, and just went to every sort of event and festival I could. And it was just like that really changed my life trajectory on what I valued. And I really valued relationships and experiences and culture and things like that. And so that's when I sort of made the decision to to go into music and youth work and that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, I felt the same when I did Europe. Yeah. You just kind of like, I obviously didn't stay there, but you just kind of change what you appreciate. And yeah. Kind of what you put emphasis on. It's just you kind of get shown in Europe. They live so differently. I was having this conversation mm-hmm. with Ben just before. They they like they live. It's not all hustle all the time. Mm. It's not. They just enjoy like small things. Yeah. Like you're in Italy and they're all at coffee shops. Yeah. Three p.m. They're having a nap. Like it's just they enjoy sandwiches. Like there's it's such a different culture. Yeah, yeah, and they sit around a TV and watch replays of the football. Yeah, yeah. Like, and they they're, just, they're just still more. I feel like we're never very still here. Yeah. So we always want to go. And even like recently, like I, I just adopted a dog a couple of months ago, yeah? yeah and so I just like spent hella time with her and just watching her day, she gets fed, she'll sunbake for a bit, she'll play, she'll go for a walk and like she's satisfied and I'm like, oh, life is pretty cool. And I, I'll chill outside and I'll smoke a joint with her and lie and sunbake and just look up the star, uh, the sky and be like, cool, this is what we're meant to do on this floating rock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're just mammals on a floating rock, bro. We should sunbake and eat. <laughs> yeah, we often, like I said, bro, we forget about that like so, so often. So often. In terms of interviews as well, in terms of Australia, uh, Sahil and HP boys. Yeah. They're just to name a few. There's that many artists to name. I felt like it's just not worth leaving anyone out. So just name a few. Mm. Interviewing internationals versus Australian, Mm -hmm. which one do you get more out of? Because in one sense, you're bringing an Australian aspect to a global name. Mm -hmm. In another sense, you're uplifting your own people. Mm -hmm. What do you think kind of is the trade-off? Like which one? do you think has a bit more importance? Um, Not importance, but like- For me, it's- Which one do you find more fascinating is probably a better question. For me, it's less about Australian, like domestic or international, and it's more about the individual. And to be honest, like, as I said, like we we don't, I don't do interviews that I don't want to do. Yeah. Like we get a lot of requests here and there's, um, I've got to connect with it personally for me to want to have a conversation. Um, And that's not disrespecting, that's just like, and being fully invested in the moment. Like I, and I do heaps of research, bro. Like I, I dig up old shit and I, I get invested and I fully, almost like method act. You know what I mean? If I got an interview coming up, I was just soak myself in that person's catalog and previous interviews and whatever. Cause I want to just be fully equipped to have a, a really good conversation. I know you do the same. You're watching my own old rap battles. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, you, you want to be fully immersed in there and, and value that conversation. There's nothing uh, worse than watching someone interview someone and you're like, you've got no clue who you're interviewing. I can't. Yeah. I, I don't consume a lot of other media as well now. I used to a lot earlier, yeah. but because I've come back to, I think my skill set's got to a point where I can sort of foster a conversation and now it's just about, cool, yeah, what are the things I can do to make someone feel comfortable and be present in the moment and that's it. Yeah. Like let the rest take care of itself because that magic, you know, like when you have those special moments, you can't create that. That's got to be authentic. It's got to be organic, but you can create the circumstances for that to happen, I feel. Yeah, 110%. What's been... It's been like so. I've done some podcasts where it kind of takes me by surprise how well it goes. Mm. Is there any interviews you've done where you're like, "Oh shit, that went ten x better than I honestly expected"? Um, definitely ones where I'm a bit anxious beforehand, and usually I get I'm getting be- a lot better now. In the early days, I was really anxious, but I remember doing a sit down with Brent Fires 
first time like first time he played in Australia in 2019. Yeah, and I yeah. Like, it was my first ever international interview. Yeah, so what happened was he um uh, I missed out on his tickets to his show or something. I forgot. It was, I can't even remember. Yeah, but it was before he was as big as he is now, and I um. Literally just hit up the promoter. I was like, hey, do you reckon I can ticket? I'd love to review the show. I got this blog, $80. Blah, blah. He hits me back and he was just like, how would you feel about an interview? Like his team have checked out your page and they're keen. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'd love to. But I'll, I got hella nervous for that one, yeah. And then I just get got to sit and chill with him for an, a sound check at like an hour, for like an hour. And we just broke down and had a mad conversation. And now he's just announced and he's playing Sydney My Music Bowl in Melbourne or whatever. And he's doing fucking huge numbers. Um, but that one, I was just like, yo, it gave me a lot of confidence for others going forward because I was super anxious. I was like, I wasn't really prepped on it. Yeah. Um, in terms of like from a media point of view, I was as a fan. Um, but that went well and I think that gave me the confidence to go, that I, I trust my skill set. I can do this in future situations. So that was one that I think shifted the the, um, the landscape for me. Can I ask what year was that? 2019. Yeah, so Brent was really like picking it up, eh? Yeah, like it was yeah. before the albums had dropped. I think like Sonderson was out in 2018, I think. Um, Late 2019 is when I heard of him. Yeah. So I remember in crew, COVID. Yeah, well, Crew was when, I think that was 2018, that record with, he had with Goldlink. And so yeah. that's when he started popping. But, yeah, he's during the COVID years, he just took over R&B. Goldlink's Swedish. I have no idea. He's some weird Nasho. Eh? Is he? I have yeah. no idea. Um, I remember Got Friends was one of like, my favourite songs mm-hmm. ever. And um, I remember just researching him. He came up with this weird thing. But, yeah, off the back of Crew. Yeah. Because Isaac John, like, yeah. let's go full circle. He used to introduce his vlogs with that song. Hectic. And then, yeah, that's how I found Brent. And then just watching him and funnily enough, Chef as well. Yeah. So I, in COVID, I pumped hoodies. Like I was doing 100 or 200 a drop. Yeah. And I packed the orders in like my parents, um, like uh, this like lounge room we have. And I was, had Spotify radio on. Mm-hmm. And I'm just packing orders, just got my phone playing music through the speaker. And um, Flows came on. Mm. And I like genuinely like stopped where I was and went over to my phone. I was like, what am I listening to? I felt the exact same the first time I heard Chef G, bro. Yeah, I feel like almost everyone did in that 2020. No, yeah, 2019 was when Unlucky Lucky Kid came out. That was my favorite. Yeah, so end of 2019, yeah, 110% because there was like emotionless on that. Yeah. Because that had the same beat. Sorry, I'm nerding out a bit here. (laughs) That had the same beat as Elijah and Soka, which was one of my first introductions to working with artists. Was that's how I found Soka. Soka was the first one I did a photo shoot with. Mad. But that beat was, uh, <laughs> it's on YouTube under like Digger D type beat. Okay, but. And that's how their producers all got it. And then, um, yeah, Chef on Emotionless had that. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to Unlucky Lucky Kid. And then Sleepy Hollow mm-hmm. obviously comes out with 2015. him as well. Yeah, I seen that. Yeah. That's cool, eh? He's, he he kind of like shocked me as to like how, I didn't think he'd get bigger than Chef. Yeah, I think Chef getting locked obviously had a lot. No, for sure. Yeah. I think he'd be one of the biggest rappers in the world at the moment if he yeah. was free. Um, but at the same time, like 2055 took on straps. Like <laughs> I, didn't I interviewed him just after that came out. Yeah, that would have been cool. Because yeah. I, I can't remember how it took its numbers. No, it's just. I, f- I want to say TikTok. Yeah, it must have been. So. Like early TikTok. Yeah, remember in 2020, 2020 yeah, everyone yeah. got on there. And like everyone. Expl- yeah, the numbers are. But wow. I f- yeah, I feel like on TikTok, 2055 did numbers. And then he kind of just. Went into this next yeah. stratosphere of like that latest one he dropped. I can't remember the name of it. I was bombing the other night. It's fucking unreal. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I love that hypnotic sort of stuff. It's really cool, man. Yeah, they and bro, just watching like the Chef G interview and you just like wow, like it's so cool. A bloke from Melbourne, can you yeah, just, him on your yeah, and he was he was a real one, bro. Like he was like he enjoyed the interview, and I, that's what I enjoy the most is like when I can help create an environment that the interviewee is having a moment that they really enjoy. Like Ari Lennox, like I still can't believe I managed to speak to her. What a queen. Um, 
afterwards, like we had a cool little chat off camera as well. And she was like, yo, this is the most fun interview I've done. I've had so much fun. Like, yeah. thank you so much. I love your questions. And I was just like, yo, I feel really humbled by that because like you're a superstar. You've heard, and, but I know that my prep means something then. And then it just motivates you to go hard. No different to a fighter training before a fight or something. I feel like yeah. I feel what we do, bro. That's it's our game day. And we put in our training sessions and then it happens like artists when they play shows, that's game day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and I feel in a media space, it's, it's the same. And yeah, that reward and buzz when you know your training camp was worth it, it's the best, bro. Yeah, it's like that Connor, um, he's talking about Aldo where he's like mm. in the face-off, I saw his left hand twitching, so I knew yeah. it would open up, my yeah. right would open up. Yeah, That's where I got him. I think Ariel's interviewing him. And that that's never left my mind. He goes, yeah, his left hand was twitching, so I knew yeah. I'd, get, I'd catch him. Yeah, It's the same thing. For those listening, Ari, for whatever reason, if you may not have heard her, she signed a Dreamville. Yeah. Still? Jack Cole's label, yep. Yeah. So when in- same time, bro. COVID was for all its downfalls, man. I found that much good fucking music through there, eh? Yeah. Um, is it butter cream? Oh, what's it called? Um, uh, sheer butter. Yeah, something like that. That was my first song I heard from her. But yeah. I just used to listen to her on the Dreamville playlist. Yeah. Eventually, like, downloaded some of her songs. Special artist. Yeah. She's so cool. Yeah, she's a star. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she's signed a J. Cole's label and she's on the Dreamville albums. And isn't that a cool concept, eh? Yeah, Revenge of the Dreamer stuff is mad. Like we, we've had some days like that then at Mastership. We just pack out the rooms, get everyone through to record. There's yeah, something special in the air when you do something like that. And for artists at that tier to do it, yeah. Cole's one of the goats right now. There's no question about that. Who is your goat? Jay-Z. Oh, really? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Top three. Jay-Z, Kendrick Lamar, Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill. Top five. Who's your top five greatest of all time? Nah, so I have to be in there now as well. So there's my fourth. And my fifth will be Kanye West. So, so repeat the five straight out again. Jay-Z, Kendrick Lamar, Lauren Hill, Nas, Kanye West. Shit. No. I'm going to get a lot of hate for that. There's no Big Eel Park in there, I know. No Cole? Not yet. No UK artists? Americans would fill the top 10 spots. Oh, you don't even put Skepta in top 10? Of all time, rappers anywhere. I love Skep, bro, but come on. For real? <laughs> no, nah, but you remember your, I didn't grow up on that. I didn't grow up on that. Yeah, yeah, true. true. I grew with, Ke- like when I was in year seven, yeah. Kid Mad City came out. Yeah, yeah. When I was in year seven, Shutdown was coming out. Yeah, yeah. I grew up on that Skepta JME freestyle. Yeah. So for me, like I grew up with Dave. I'm literally. I smoked with Skep and Shorty at um, fucking, uh, on the Valley Festival. That's mad. How was that? He's a big man. He's bro. He's, he's massive. A eh? huge. He's super gentle though. Like I was hella intimidated. I'm not gonna say this big dude in the artist compound. He was nice. He was just like, yo, you got some papers? Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, he's because he's um yeah big Nigerian boy. Yeah, like just the genetics, man. Shoulders, height. Just yeah, big man. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't until I seen him next to some, I think some Premier League footballers, mm. and maybe Clint from Cortez. Mm-hmm. Maybe because Clint, I know, is a bit like smaller. And then I was like, oh, my God, like, you're actually a man mountain. Yeah. Um, isn't that crazy, that family, eh? What they've gone on to achieve. It's pretty phenomenal, eh? Yeah. For those listening, you have Skep and Jamie. Yeah. Jamie, his brother. Uh, Jamie, as you all know, who's fascinating. Man, don't care about all that. Uh, how fascinating is um? Have you seen, like, those live streams where, like, Jamie's, like, playing a recorder and then he'll play the recorder into the mic? And then he'll go on to, on his computer, full yeah. nerd. He's by himself. He doesn't do anything with anyone else. 
and then he plays it back and then he starts rapping over yeah. a beat he just made on a recorder. Right, he's nuts. And then they got Julie uh, or Julia, I think her name is, and she's the younger sister. She's doing all the interviews. She did a mad interview with Georgia Smith. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favourite ever because Georgia Smith at that time was just yeah. falling. No, not falling and flying. That's the latest one. Don't cry. Oh, God. But she just laced the the, whole, the new J House album. I, I run the tracks that she's on all the time. Yeah. She's she's one of the best, eh? Yeah. She's so fuck. She's so good. Who actually that's a good question. We'll get to the Australian part in a second because I noted that down. Who's maybe your like top five to ten UK artist? Ooh, that's a good one. Um my personal taste is different to a lot of what but you, you have to include Storms in there. But my personal favorites, I listen to Nux a lot. I love Nux. Parsalu, J Huss, Dave. Yeah, Storms, Central. See Lil Sims, 100 percent um, but yeah, Gets, um, Skep, obviously. I've probably named about 10 there, haven't I? Yeah. All right, I'll go. Skep? Yeah. Jamie? Oh, yeah. J- oh, Jamie, of course. Yeah, so Skep, Jamie, Giggs. I'll just start with yep. what's off the top of my head. Dave? Mm. Miz or Mac? Mm-hmm. Um, Huss? Mm. Huss is probably my goat, to be honest. So. Yeah, he's heading that way, eh? Uh, Fascinating cat on social media when he's not releasing music. No, like he'll go and then he comes back, I'm the king of the Mali and military yeah. and shit. And you go, going, holy shit, this guy's something else. In, I don't think he'd ever get him. My dream would be to bring Jay Huss to Australia though. Yeah, Chip. Yep, that's oh, valid. Uh, Bugsy Malone. Yeah. Gets. And by default, Stormzy. Yeah, yeah. I still think Stormzy, shout out Wiley. I still think Stormzy got murdered by Chip and he didn't get covered enough. Yeah, that's right. But Stormzy just had a level of success beyond rap that he's like, yeah, you can't measure. He's so, um, I think for people seeing such a massive human mm. be so gentle mm. and have these um, like different songs in different categories, like, and shut up as well, is mm. such just like a iconic thing. He's just that he transcended hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. And, I think, yeah, he's. Definitely help drive. And then to be honest, now like what's popping, like it's hard to ignore what Central C is doing right now as well, bro. Like that dude yeah. is taking over right now. Do you remember him before all that? He was on like um, Spirit Bomb, AJ Tracy's song. I don't he remember that joint. Honestly. I interviewed AJ Tracy as well. He's a super cool cat. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Sench is crazy though. I don't – I only first discovered Sench properly. I think it was like 2020 or whatever it was. So. Day in the life. Yeah. And then ping in. And then yeah. loading. Loading, yep. And then uh, commitment issues. Yeah. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, I don't know who run. his team was. Yeah. But I um, I remember before all that, I remember he was shit, like honestly. Yeah. Like hand on heart. Like I, he was bad. Like he, I didn't – he used to make music, man. I just used to go like, oh, fuck, like this ain't it, eh? He came up in that era where like AJ Tracy and Dave were hopping on like random ciphers and yeah. stuff like that. I, I hope to replicate that one day in Australia. Do something similar to what you guys were doing, you know, and like – yeah, yeah I think it's it. cool. Western Sydney's a spot. Yeah, yeah. Western bro, spot here. You could do some cool shit here, bro. Yeah. Now, I made a list. I made this in my own time mm-hmm. just because uh, I work by myself. I, yeah. Uh, well, I work for my uncle, but I'm by myself with I'm a courier. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of time to myself. Mm. And I was driving around. I was listening to a song that was basically about fuck the government. And I was like, this song needs to be protected at all costs. Mm-hmm. My mind goes into top five Australian songs of all time that need to be protected at all costs mm. in hip hop. Yeah. Here's my list. Number one, the festival song by 360 and Pez. My reason? Fair. Vibes. Number two, the message by 1-4. My reason? The culture. That's what's kicked off, whether you like it or not. That's just what's kicked off the recent thing. Number three, The Sea is Rising by Bliss and Esso. 
because it's a fucking stance against the government, no matter who you vote for, it is a stance against those in power. Amazing song. Mm-hmm. Amazing song. Number four, Jimmy Ricard by Draft. I was about to say, that's going to have to be in the top five. Yeah. Jimmy Ricard by Draft. Vibes. Just vibes. Then, number five, this is a personal pick. Shout out to him. He deserved to be in this list because he kept it happening when nothing else was really cracking. Cursor, Cursor is the sickest. That brought eyes onto the genre. That brought people in. That's valid. Do you have fight? Matt's going off the dome here. So forgive him if he misses anything you think, but your top five songs of Australian hip hop that need to be protected at all costs. Yeah, that's valid. Um, Karma by 1200 Techniques. Emphas the OG for me. So like that's definitely one. Um, what else do I want to go do? Fuck yeah, let's just get some. Per- like, what else it? Sampa the Great, um, Final Form probably. That definitely changed the landscape. Um, I'll say Misunderstood by Young and Lips. Okay, That's, why out of his catalog, Misunderstood? That song just is yeah. still, in my opinion, the best song he's ever made. Um, by the way, all these are in addition to what you said because your top five are solid as fuck. Um, we ran out of top ten here. Uh, what else would I say? What big husky body of the booth? Oh fuck! There's no more iconic line than rack and close from David Jones. Like husky's the goat in my opinion. So um, I think he's the best ever to do it uh, in Australia. Um, so I'll say those four, and then the fifth one. What else would I say? Did you have nosebleed section in there? Nah, there was a few I had to miss out from that. You have to say that for just the impact that had. That wouldn't be my personal like top five in terms of what I consume. And the stuff I consume is probably a bit more recent. Uh, and you'd have to like include all the R&B in there as well because yeah. fucking, there's that much of it. Uh, but yeah, that, that'll do. That'll do my top five. That's yeah, it's hard, man, because you think about like Leroy and all that. And then yeah. for me, like Planet Vegeta oh, being close with the boys. Yeah. Oh, Leroy's, what was the one he had with Bieber? Uh, one, stay. One of the most top stream songs of all time, bro. Yeah. Like, that has like... Yeah. I, um, it was the fastest song ever to a billion, bro. Yeah, TikTok. Yeah, but what I'm saying is just like, yeah. that's a kid that literally, I've got the, Red the DMs Wogga Wogga. And, the, and the emails of him sending me shit when he was fucking 12 years old or whatever, bro. Yeah. Like, And that's what I'm saying, like being in this journey is such a blessing to see that, to see that transformation and just go, yo, this shit is real. Life's changing this shit, bro. Like, Yeah. Isn't it crazy, eh? When I look at him, he's doing a Macca's deal at the moment. Have you seen that, Papa? It's wild, isn't it, bro? Yeah, like, this kid was wrong. Like, if you're from Sydney, you've been around Redfern. Like, you know it's not. Like, but anyway, yeah. And even like Wagga Wagga, for a superstar to come out of Wagga, if you've mm. ever driven through there, like I've, I've had to go into mm. Melbourne or whatever, you're like, there's no reason a kid should come out of this it's and do what lot. he did. Yeah, it's it's just cool. Yeah, and even like the one four boys story, obviously they just had the Netflix yeah. thing and that like to see these stories that are happening and people – Taking shit around the world is, yeah, it's unreal, man. Like, it was not imaginable uh, not many years ago. Yeah, and here we are, eh? Yeah, we, we get to live this shit. It's a fucking blessing, bro. Hey, all this on a rock floating through outer space, bro. Yeah. We, we get to exist at this particular time, you know what I mean, where we can consume media from all around the world at the click of our fingers. Like, yeah. we, we got more knowledge available to us, like, here now than, like, ancient Roman emperors and Greek emperors, whatever, had back in the day, and they would – Handling millions of people, you yeah, know. Yeah, literally, you got fucking meditations up there by Marcus Aurelius. Aurelius, I read that shit all the time. You know yeah. I mean, like, um, proud stoic. That's what you can see my fucking tats there. Yeah. Um. So, like, yeah, I, I think about that shit all the time. I'm just like, man, like, stress less. 
You know what I mean? Like you things that things are okay. And you know, we're we're in a in a in a world that's full of chaos at the moment as well. And it's like we're super blessed to be here doing what we're doing. Like we ain't having bombs dropped on us or whatever. So just like stress less, like life's not that bad on how we're doing. Yeah, hundred ten percent. It's massive, eh? I think that I think about that all the time. It sounds so stupid. Yesterday there was real dark clouds rolling in, right? Yeah. I was in the van. I was like like obviously they're gonna be darker due to thickness and density. Mm. It, a five year old could probably tell you that. I'm driving and I thought I better check this mm. just because I actually don't know. Mm. And then I went on my phone and it just, people are going to like take the piss out of me. But like I just went on my phone and checked it and then it hit me in that moment. I was like, I literally can check anything. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, how cool is it, that? Bro? It just struck me like legit yesterday I was thinking about like this thing is the greatest source of knowledge yeah. in my hand. And we use it to watch fucking cat videos, bro. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Yeah, like, TikToks. Yeah. The, the thing that, um, Cracks me up. You, you'll never know the generation divide more than when you leave a relative's house and they try and give you instructions on which way to drive. Yeah. If you go this way and then you take a ride this way and then they're straight over the traffic lights, I'm like, no, no. <laughs> like put in Google Maps, they'll tell me exactly where I'm going. You know what I mean? That's, uh, that's when I'm like, yo, we, technology has changed the way people live. Like, <laughs> like nothing else. Yeah, 110%. You can relate to that, I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, God bless nonnas, man. Yeah, oh, dude, where would we be without him? Nah, not it's hard to describe the relationship of like a nonna. Hey, because it's kind of oh, like- bro, I shared a bed with my nonna when I was a little kid for, yeah. for a period of time. We lived with my, my nonna, nonna. So, um, oh, what a woman, man. I, I'm so tight with my nonna. Um, yeah. And owe a lot to her and like the struggles that, you know, those generations and that went through. Um yeah, it's a super cool point. There's something, you know, every culture's got it, but there's something in Italian culture about that family vibe that is just like, yeah, the whole blood thick in the water thing is real, bro. Yeah. And the, um, like, the, especially with the grandparents thing, I try to explain this to people. It, it's not the same as the parents thing. They, it's are, different. It's, it's different. such a different relationship. And they're so like, like Nonna will like feed me to no earth's end. Like, mm-hmm. and my mum could tell her to stop and she didn't mm-hmm. give a fuck. Like I'm a baby boy type of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but even when I go see my Nonna, she always asks me like, like, do you want to fly to Italy? You know what I mean? Like it's just this relationship of like friends almost. Yeah. 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 That's, best friend. My Nonna, that's a really good analogy. Yeah. My Nonna was my first best friend that yeah. I ever had. Cause yeah, I was like three, four or whatever when we were living with them. And so I was sleeping in a bed with her. So she's the first person I'd see every morning and we'd wake up and we'd talk and we'd play or whatever. And she was like my actual best friend. And like, it's cool now being, you know, in my thirties and be able to reflect on that and still share those memories with, with her. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it's super fucking cool, man. Shout out nonnas everywhere. Yeah. Then that's another thing about life. I like often remember my nonna and nonna came here on a boat. Mm. Like for like six weeks or something, mm. just nuts. Yeah, just it. a different period of time. And like <laughs> they came here with like no plan. Just, yeah, my nonna worked um in the snowy mountains, like yeah. building it. Went back home on the boat, my nonna, mm. and got off the boat in Melbourne, drove straight up to Sydney. Mm. But like there was no like plan. They just owned different small businesses and just made shit work. Mm. Um, Such a familiar story for like so many like yeah, immigrant generations. Eh? Like, yeah, the promised land type <laughs> of shit. Yeah. yeah, it feels like a. It feels like a um, fucking, you know, DreamWorks film or some shit yeah. sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like, isn't it funny they like, you go into like Weatherill Park or you go to like a Marconi game. I don't know, like who would be the Italian club down in Melbourne? Brunswick. Yeah. And you go to like, <laughs> they come to this country and somehow they still make it fucking Italy again, just on the yeah, other yeah. side of the world. Exactly, bro. <laughs> Ligon Street, bro. It's yeah. The, it's the best, man. You go to a fucking Carlton Blues game, bro. It's all the Italians there, man. It's mad. Yeah. I, um, funnily enough, this that you're seeing, this is a Sporting Club Hellas jersey. 
the affinity for Celtic comes from, I think I mentioned to you, I remember growing up being age nine onwards, watching Celtic in the Champions League before mm. school with my nonno mm-hmm. on SBS. Yeah. Um, 6 a.m. slot. Yeah, 5.45 kickoff. My mum was Les Murray, bro. Yeah, big time. Yeah. He's up there. Uh, the well game by yeah, Les Murray. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all, rest- all the references have been on point. Yeah. Did, you, did you curate that shit for me today? Or what? <laughs> uh, bro, I knew you liked football, so I brought that book above it, bro. The Death and Life of Australian Soccer yeah, is the best bro. book I've ever read. Amazing. Um, goes into the whole NSL thing. Yeah, yeah. We haven't, like, we haven't got enough time to talk about mm. that shit. But um, I remember watching all that. Georgia Samaras. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty sure there was a young James Forrest. But I remember watching that with my nonno, watching them like in that Milan era. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I just had an affinity for Celtic and it translates onto this kit. And it's why I got the Sporting Club Hellas, but badge done in green in white. Looking fresh, yeah. bro. Thanks, bro. But yeah, it's just kind of like, kind of all what happened to link it all back. So mm. I remember that so fondly watching football with my nonno. Mm. Couldn't give a fuck about it. He wasn't even that big of a fan, but he just explained mm. the game to me. Yeah. He just, you'd be watching, he goes, oh yeah, like watch him. And he's pointing at Pirlo and he goes like, watch what he's do- about to do. Mm. Pirlo picks up the ball, pings it across the field. He goes like, you got to scan. Like you got to, mm. and like my nonno could hardly speak English. Yeah, but like yeah. I understood what he was saying, you know. Yeah, I remember watching football with, we were talking about the 2004 Euros before. I remember watching those with my nonno. I remember watching Greece win. I remember watching the Australia-Iran 98 World Cup qualifier at the yeah. MCG that we, we drew or whatever and then didn't qualify. I remember watching that with my nonno at his house. So yeah. I was very young then, you know what I mean? So, yeah, special moments been on record, actually, bro. That's yeah. Shout out, nonno. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out all the nonnos, nonnos. I, I recently became a zeal. Yeah. I take that name with the utmost Best feeling in the world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah bro. I like, take it very seriously as well. Mm. Like, I'm zeal H. Yeah. Uh, God love them. Um, I want to ask something before we end this pod. Yep. We've been going an hour and a bit now. Mm-hmm. Uh, combining art. There's no better person to ask. Combining art and business. Mm-hmm. What has been your experience with it? What has been some of the roadblocks? What has been some of the trials and tribulations? Yeah, that's a really good question because I'm still sort of navigating it. Yeah. Um, first of all is like it's all got to be about like purpose. Like what's the outcome you're in this shit for? Um, and I say this with any artist that I sit down to like a strategy session with is like, what does being an artist, what does art mean for you? Is it primary about commercial or is it about expression? And, you know, maybe it's about recreation and mental health and creativity, whatever. Figuring that early on is the most important thing you can do. Cause we get caught up in this trap of capitalism. And it's like, if you're being an artist now, you have to commercialize that and commodify it. You have to get X amount of streams. You have to be selling shows, da, 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 da. It turns it into a job really quickly and I see people burn out all the time. You grow to hate it. I've been through that experience, yeah. So figuring out what your reason for doing it is is the most important bit, I think, and then pursuing that. For me, I'm really lucky now that I'm involved in the entertainment music industry, um, but I pay my bills through that not off my art, off my studio and my media company and stuff like that and, you know, consulting and shit that I do. That's how I feed myself. Um, and so it's in the same realm, but it's not off my artistry. That's not off streams of my music or ticket sales to my show. So I'm really lucky in a position that I have a sustainable income in the industry that's not through my art. So I mean, my art gets to be my creative outlet. Yeah. And that's how I've done the divide. And that's really um, helped me a lot um, separating the two out. And yeah, I still have, you know, like corporate commercial ambitions and success and goals for my own artistry like anyone does. But I'm really lucky now that. Yeah, I'm independent. I just rap and release what I want. You know, I've got a new mixtape coming out next month, um, Past the Light of Volume 2, and that's all about me. If I don't get a single playlist or a single blog or whatever, cool, man, whatever. Like, yeah. because 
I'm making art for me and the people that fuck with it. Um, but I understand that's also not a sustainable thing for everyone else. Some people are playing the label game and I've been, I've been signed and dropped and had breakups on labels, all that sort of shit, bro. Um, but just found that none of that route ever satisfied my creative side. But I've also got this business venture entrepreneur side with the studios with eight dollars and that, that, okay, that's my ambition and that's what I can run up on that avenue and then keep my art for, for purely how I want. Like I, I often say like, you know, when kids just start drawing as kids or finger painting or whatever, we would never dream to say to them, yo, you need to transform into this. You need to make this much money. I think kids are just fucking finger painting, bro. That's all I'm doing when I rap, bro. Like I'm just telling stories. I'm giving my reflection on the reality that I'm living and passing on wisdom and knowledge and experiences. And that's like, that's what I want out of this shit. That's the most important shit. That's why my project's called Pass the Lighter. It's literally about sitting having a smoke with me and me talking shit. You know? Yeah. Like, I enjoyed your one where were you in an orange long sleeve? Uh, recent one, yeah, the audio splitter freestyle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that a lot. Thanks, bro. Yeah. Uh, I like the visuals as well. Yeah, shout out Zacho, bro, on that. Um, crazy videographer, works out of Marshall Street and uh, Dim Slim on the production. That was cool. You also have another song. Uh, I've got to figure out where it is. I don't know yeah. where my fucking phone is. But, oh, here it is. Now, I'm going to get it up live. Yeah. Because I listen to music kind of just like songs sometimes. Yeah. And I remember I liked your song and I wanted to bring it up. Let's go. I appreciate that too, bro. You trust me as an artist. Often I have these conversations and everyone wants to talk about $80 or Marshall Street or that. No, no, I knew, no, I, I knew you as I appreciate people going, oh, cool, you make art as well. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Let It Burn. That's by far my favorite. Thank you, bro. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's a special song. Um, the guy, did you listen to On The Low, Jazz Nobody's new song? Yeah. yeah. Similar idea of mm. having a vocalist compliment your, your style and yep. uh, cadence mm-hmm. and like- yeah, I really fuck with that idea of having those like vocalists come in and kind of like just setting a tone mm-hmm. that allows you to tell your story better. Yeah, yeah. I love – well, so I grew up like I first picked up a guitar when I was 11 years old, yeah? yeah. Um, so there was this guy at this local uh, – at my school, local primary school, that was offering free lessons and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then I remember Christmas that year, my parents were like, what do you want for Christmas? It's like a guitar. They're like, what the fuck you want a guitar for? I'm like, I've been having lessons for the last six months on the low. Like, um, So like – I'm musical, you know what I mean? So like I, I played in bands, I sang, I've done all that, like grew up on jazz and soul and funk and shit like that. Um, and so um, that is still very much part of my creative process. Like Jeremy Bennett, who, who's on that song with me. So he's one of my closest collaborators. We worked together for 10 years. Like he's an incredible keys player and singer and producer and all that. Um, so yeah, we've worked together, played live shows together. And so it's just, that's a real natural process for me. Like I think what's really important for me in, in my music is that it, yeah, it's storytelling. I look at it much more like a, a song is a scene from a movie, which is a project rather than it sits on its own. That's how I sort of look at things. I was, you would have seen the visuals and let yeah. it burn again, very cinematic. And that's just how I like to portray my art storytelling. So for me, like if I'm rapping, that's like one element of the story. I'm one character in that scene. Yeah. So bringing Jeremy in or bringing in another guest vocalist or guest instrumentalist is, yeah, I've always looked at it like that because I grew up playing in bands. Yeah. Yeah. Will Starr does something. Uh, it's not the same, but it's similar. Will Starr, when he's producing, watches movies. Yeah, yeah. I watch movies with the sound off. Yeah, I'm yeah. Just like he goes, yeah. Like you just Mason Dane did something similar in, in terms of just like how you start off a session. He goes, yeah, we just make one song. Will stars mm-hmm. the same. He just said like, um, I get in there and I make one song to whatever's playing, mm-hmm. and then I go like yeah. what I actually need to do. But he's yeah, like, yeah. just to break off writer's block, just to kick that out of the way. I just make one beat to what I'm watching. Just let that play, and then then I'm in the mood. Yeah. And he's like, if I think it could go into a movie, I'm happy with what I've produced. And then yeah, that's hella similar to me. I always have yeah, we've got a big screen in the studio, and I'm always got 
um, movies or cartoons, some of my favorite TV, like I love like um, Looney Tunes type shit. I'll have yeah. that going in the studio. Or what I really love, my favorite shit is like old 1920s, 1930s, like Mickey Mouse black and white cartoons. That's what we'll see. Yeah. Past the Light, you'll see the artwork is all that sort of style. Um, yeah. uh, so Ella, who designed Past the Light, she also does my ink. Um, yeah, it's that very much that 1920s, 1930s black and white aesthetic. Like, I, I love just that that animation and cartoons. What cartoons you grow up on? Uh, so Looney Tunes Hella, like, yeah, Bugs Bunny. Um, Tassie Devil was my favourite and Speedy Gonzalez, I loved him. Um, but, yeah, Mickey Mouse. Uh, then also a lot of the shows that were – or movies that became cartoons, like Aladdin and shit like that. Yeah. I loved watching that. Uh, but, yeah, Nickelodeon and, like, um, Cheese TV and all that sort of shit. I was, yeah, 90s kid. Yeah, Rugrats for me. Rugrats, yeah, hella. Yeah. Yeah, and then before I knew it, it was just Simpsons. Yeah, of course. And then Family Guy. I wasn't allowed to watch Simpsons for a long time when I was a kid. Like, Simpsons, I was allowed from the get go. Family Guy wasn't meant to, but my sister, when I was 10, was 18. So yeah. I'd just sit in the room. It was calm. Yeah, yeah, no, I wasn't allowed to watch Simpsons for a long time. Uh, Futurama, fuck. Dude, Futurama, <laughs> I've been meaning to say this one, mm. like on a public platform. Did you ever watch Futurama? Yeah, yeah. The scene where he loses his dog fucked me up. So this tattoo here, <laughs> people think it's Panthers. That's my dog's actual paw prints, Holly. That's fucking adorable. Yeah, yeah, so I grew up with my, I don't know if you can see it on the camera, but, um, yeah, when my first dog passed away, Holly. So Holly came into my life when I was nine. She what died, breed? Uh, like Schmoodle. Yep. She's a tiny little thing. Man. Yep. She could fit like – I carry around like this. She's best dog, man. Mm. Um, I take her on drives. And she, uh, anyway, um, with Holly, when she passed, I like had to be there and I got her paws di- dipped in ink and all that. And I went back, fucked me up so bad. I remember that Futurama episode and I watched that. I cried like a bitch mm. that night. That shit fucked me up. And – I realized like when I was watching that back when he loses Seymour or mm. Seymour waits for him fry while he mm. gets frozen. I watched that back and I was like, this is actually one of the greatest animated like TV shows of all time. Mm. We just kind of disregarded it due to Simpsons dominance yep. and Family Guy dominance. You know what mm. I mean? But when I watch some of those episodes back, like just my free time or whatever, mm. when I'm going to bed, I'm like, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. You could take a lot away from it. Simpsons was the same when you watch it back. When you watch it and you, and you get deeper into it. Yeah. yeah. Even like going back, like I love watching like Disney movies. Like Lion King's my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that era. So, um, you know, Aladdin, uh, Fox and the Hound, like that whole era. Yeah. There's so much storytelling in there that I, I, I draw on from today. As I said, I grew up reading Green Eggs and Ham and fucking Dr. Seuss. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's something beautiful and really intelligent about the simplicity of that. And even now, like, you know, I've got nieces and nephews and stuff. And when they were younger, I would just sit and watch some of the kids' shows. I, I was watching some shit with um, uh, my nephew the other day. And I was just like, yo, the people that create this aren't, aren't kids. When you're a kid, yeah. you assume that you don't understand the concept that an yeah. adult has created this. And so to sit there as an adult and consume it, just like you're, as a creative especially, you're like, whoa, there's layers to this, man. Like, uh, Yeah. That's cool. Shout out Rick and Morty. I forgot to mention I was that, about probably. to say Rick and Morty. I yeah. Like, that's Iconic. I uh, I'm not sure if it's the same. Of your I'm not sure about your age or your nieces and nephews, but I have to watch Bluey mm-hmm. if you send that, and I have, I have to watch um, Gabby's Dollhouse. Yeah, if you send that. No, I've, I um, watch that. I my, to watch my nephew liked Paw Patrol, but yeah. I, I refused to watch that because it was just cop propaganda, bro. Like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've seen that pop up, bro. Bluey dominated. Eh? I didn't realize till like my nieces came along. Like that is every, my sister as well, who's like my sister's older. You know what I mean? She's like in her twenties. Um, but she she loves Blue. Like she's a school teacher, and she's like, "Yo, it's such an intelligent show." Like the ki- yeah. all the kids are obsessed with it, uh, and she loves it. She got little bluey dolls and shit. Shout out my sister. <laughs> yeah, it's mad. Um, look, bro, we're running out of time, but mm. thank you for hopping on, man. Bro, thanks for having me, man. Venture out west. Like again, congrats on everything you're doing, bro. It's fucking oh, just mad to connect. Um, yeah, I just like having good chats with good people, bro. And uh, you're 100 percent that. 
I appreciate it. Um, first of all, thank you for reaching out. Second of all, um, after this drops, when these go live, mm-hmm. I might cut this out. I'll, I'll send you one of these. Love, bro. I'll rip that shit always. Yeah, rip that shit down in Melbourne. But um, yeah, thanks for hopping on, brother. My brother. Appreciate you. Take care. Bless. See you all next week.